Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode one of BitsCast. We're so excited to have you here, and we're just going to get right into it. I think our first topic is going to actually be about entertainment, and we've got a few separate uh, franchises that we're going to delve into here. That actually and, wasn't terrible. <laughs> and for context, it's Logic Bits, Rainbow Sports, uh, and Evan. Since Logic AKA Bits Luke Bryan, Evan. Anyway, yes. so let's get started. First thing that we're going to talk about is Marvel. Evan, what is your thoughts on all the Marvel TV shows that are coming out? So this actually works out perfectly because we planned these show notes like yesterday. But today, Marvel just announced that the Hawkeye show, which has starring Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, um, that's coming out November 24th, apparently. Before now, we just knew 2021. So we have a concrete release date for that. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, Loki just wrapped up the other week. Um, the first Marvel animated show called What If is coming out on the 11th, I believe. And that is hype. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much all there is to say about shows. However, staying on the Disney Plus um, side of things, apparently Scarlett Johansson is now suing Marvel because I apparently her contract requires that a movie has that she's in, i.e. in this case Black Widow, has to be... Um, and for context, she plays Black Widow, if you didn't know. But um, her contract requires that the movie has to be in theaters exclusively at first. But um, because they did like a co-release with Disney Plus and in theaters, apparently she's suing. So Yeah, because it violated her contract, essentially. Yeah. And that leads back into the Black Widow premiere, which happened early July. I believe it was the 9th. I think it was a very successful premiere, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I I was there, like, opening night, and then it came out on Disney Plus the next day. Um, and it did pretty damn well. Let me quick uh, see how much it's made here. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll pull up the exact numbers for you. Yeah. Hey, Evan, while you're, you're looking that up, do you know the exact reason of why um, she wanted to sue Disney for this? Obviously, it wasn't in the contract, but was there any specific reason? I believe well, it's because financial. she makes less from a Disney Plus co-release, I think. Oh, okay. I think. So, it's always financial. Let's see. Black yep. Widow had brought in more than $60 million in video on demand on Disney Plus, plus the additional $80 million the film made domestically, and the $78 million it ranked from international markets. So sixty million from Disney Plus. Let me see how much it made theatrically. Um, eighty million in theaters. So it's made quite a bit. It's you know about one hundred forty million, I guess. Which is a huge amount. Yeah, roughly. So yeah, that and the last thing I wanted to talk about is um, if you were paying attention to Sony's. YouTube channel as of late. Um, you'll know that they posted like a video thing about Spider-Man Fan Week because if you didn't know, August 1st is Spider-Man Day because that's when the first Spider-Man comic came out and it was in Tennessee 15. Um, 
And we're still waiting on the trailer for this movie that's supposed to come out December 17th. And Sony's feeling being, I mean, at this point, I, they're literally just trolling us at this point. Um, we're just waiting for that trailer. So ho we're hoping it comes out August 1st, but. Essentially, theaters have gotten the trailer itself, but they need some sort of. Supposedly, yes. Key. Well, yeah, supposedly. But they need some sort of a decryption key that evidently is not being given to them. Yeah. And yeah. it's gotten so bad that theaters are literally, like, using fan-made posters to advertise the movie. Because they literally can't get anything else. Yeah. So, it's really just a waiting game at this point. It hasn't been delayed yet, the movie, but we'll see. It's very up in the air now. But as soon as we get more news, I'll definitely talk about that. Um, I'd definitely but, be surprised. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna do a transition. So if you have some dad, then go ahead. Okay. I just I think that Sony must have enough market research to understand like that it's a good idea to delay this so much. But it does seem really odd that there's. I know you talked about earlier off podcast that one of the other trailers got leaked. Um, I'm not sure how much of a financial the impact Avengers that Infinity have, War trailer. Yeah. That's back in 2018. Mm -hmm. but, so it does make sense that they're trying to safeguard it a little bit more now. Well, and the big thing about this movie is it supposedly <laughs> stars Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire reprising their roles as Spider-Man. Um, Which will definitely draw on more people in terms of viewers. Yeah, so definitely being very safeguarding with this movie, so... We'll see. But on to other entertainment news. Um, with, keeping up with Disney Plus, we got the new Book of Boba Fett show, which I believe is supposed to come out in December. So still technically this year. Um, which is definitely hype, as if you watched Mandalorian at all, you know that the Star Wars Disney Plus shows are epic. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Speaking and, of which, wasn't Mandalorian Season 3 confirmed also? Yes, I don't think that's coming out this year, though. Yeah, fact, I'm positive not, but it's, it's not. Still, it's still hyped to know that it's coming, because that was a really good series. I'm really hyped for the new Obi-Wan show that's coming out, because if you didn't know, Hayden Christensen is confirmed to be in it. We don't know if he's playing Vader or Anakin or both or what, but we know he's in it. And Kathleen Kennedy, who, if you didn't know, is like the CEO, sort of, she called it the rematch of the century so i think that's what she said so that sounds epic as heck yeah anyway, we'll see but continuing on with star wars disney hired a youtube guy who made a deep fake or a viral deep fake loop video i believe yeah if you didn't know I'm, i'll try to explain what deep faking is it takes you um you get like I think it's like a couple thousand pictures of somebody's face, in this case, Mark Hamill. And you like, somehow it gets overlaid with um, some other software. You need like 3090s for this to work at all effectively, but um, which should be you know, a 3090 is like a really powerful graphics card. Um, but apparently, according to IGN, Disney hired this dude. Because a bunch of people are saying he did a better job at recreating Luke than Disney did in the Mandalorian Season 2 finale. So that's really interesting to see that Disney's like actually pulling from the community. Which is not a common occurrence if you follow Disney very much at all. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. So that's pretty interesting. Also, yeah. Star Wars related, Brian saw Revenge of the Sith for the first time recently. Yeah, for context, I never actually got around to watching all the movies for quite a while, but I can easily see why a lot of people consider it their favorite movie. It's yeah. definitely much better than Attack of the Clothes. There's no question about that. I feel like all the prequels are good. I feel like they're very underrated. But Some people I, won't agree with that take, but I do agree with you. Yeah, I the original trilogy is my favorite, like A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, but I think the prequels are still really good. Yeah, they're one of... I would say Star Wars in general is one of my top movie series. Yeah, and that's not even factoring in the Clone Wars show, which adds a whole other level to the prequels, but... Which yeah. I should probably watch, honestly. Just haven't gotten around to that yet, either. Yeah, it's very big, um, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. It it takes place between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, but season um, season eight of Clone Wars actually like takes place during Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, but um, next, what were you just gonna say? Next up, Ubisoft, and this is transitioning more to gaming, but. Ubisoft has revealed a new Tom Clancy game, which is we know is going to be a first-person shooter. However, I don't think we know much more than that. Yeah, wasn't there like some sort of gameplay reveal of that? Or yeah, they, I w- they showed a gameplay reveal trailer of it, and it looked like a com- It looked like basically Apex plus COD, and it it definitely looks good. However, a lot of people were worried that it looked kind of generic. I thought it looked relatively good, personally, and it probably will do well, because pretty much all Ubisoft games, outside of Just Dance, do well. Yeah, <laughs> the main thing... Is a, a free-to-play what? game? Uh, I'm not know. positive on that. I'll look that up quick. But yeah, um, for me, personally, the main Ubisoft thing I'm looking forward to is their new open-world Star Wars game, which has been confirmed. That's going to be hype. We don't know if you're going to be like playing a Jedi or, you know, Bounty Hunter or whatever. We just yeah. know open world Star Wars okay. game. So the game is titled X Defiant, and it will be free to play. Really? Do we have a release date? Or... No, we don't have any release date yet. Oh, yikes. Okay. Well, it's good to know it's at least com- Ubisoft usually does a really good job. Um, I mean, their latest game, Watch Dogs Legion, didn't do incredibly well, but I like the prior two games, especially Watch Dogs 2. That was they, a... said, they said it's a six-on-six multiplayer first-person shooter with classes and ultra abilities. Yeah, I gotta so play more of Rainbow very, Six Siege. If you've played Apex, it's gonna be a lot like Apex, but I think more COD-style in terms of, like, how shooting actually works. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. And, I mean, Ubisoft really does put a lot of attention into detail and stuff, so I have no doubt that... Look at other Tom Clancy games or the Assassin's Creed series if you need evidence for that. It'll just be interesting to see how it stacks up with, like, the other, you know, elephants in the room here. You know, Halo Infinite and Battlefield. I'm going to be honest, I think Halo Infinite and Battlefield 2042 will be larger. Oh, yeah, no doubt, but... At the same time, if Ubisoft spreads, like, makes, has this game come out, like, you know, six months or plus after, um, I could see it maybe getting a bit of spotlight. Because, I mean, you figure right now, the big game, um, 
forgot what it's called. Um, Splitgate. Um, that's a uh, first-person shooter, Halo-esque game. Um, and because it really doesn't have any competition right now, because Cold War is just not doing well at all right now. And Halo 5 is six years old, so... Yeah, so that game like completely stole the spotlight. I have no doubt that it'll completely disappear into obscurity as soon as Battlefield or Halo comes out, whatever, which one yeah, comes I, out the, first. The, prob the problem that what saddens me a little bit about trendy games is outside of Fortnite, they really don't maintain their popularity for that long. Like The only exception is like Minecraft. That one lasted... Well, Minecraft's been trendy multiple times, but even then it has still lost steam. But the thing yeah. is, Fortnite lasted for, what, like a year and a half, two years, probably? Yeah. I mean, the thing with Fortnite, though, is it really didn't have any competition at the time in its I mean, height. And, and, I mean, PUBG was paid, so it yeah. play propelled Fortnite so much, undoubtedly. Whereas... And the fact that it was cross-platform, that really... I mean, that was oh, one yeah. of the biggest sell selling points for us back in the day. Apex just... Frankly, the Battle Royale train was starting to run out at that point for Apex. In addition, Fall Guys didn't last very long. Valheim really didn't last very long. Among Us lasted, what, probably four months, five months? Yeah, I don't know. I never really was into it, to be honest, but yeah. yeah. I, I still don't exactly understand the hype, but again, if you enjoy Among Us, you do you. Yeah, I think the main appeal with Among Us was that it was available on mobile, so it was way more accessible. But yeah. at the same time, it, it that feels like even more repetitive than even like Fortnite, and Fortnite is very repetitive. The main problem with Among Us is the game itself just doesn't really have enough variety to keep you coming back to it unless you just absolutely love murder mystery games. Yeah, because exactly. There's what, four maps, five maps, something like that? The tasks yeah. are the same every time, and the only real gameplay difference is whether you're the imposter or not. There isn't any other rules or anything. Now, I will say, um, it is a, it is a different experience if you're playing like in this, you know, with friends or whatever, especially in the same room. Because, like, I know at um, school sometimes, like, if we finish something early. Like, our teachers would, you know, let us play that, because, you know, they knew what it was, because, again, it was a mobile game. So, doing that, like, in school was pretty cool, because, um... Yeah, yeah because, it, of, because of the friends elements, like Evan was saying, it... it like, both Fortnite and Among Us, due to the fact that they were free-to-play and cross-platform, were, they were a good way for even people who didn't do a ton of gaming prior to just play with their friends and have fun. That was the strength yeah. of them. I think they're very good gateway games. Like, people who aren't necessarily gamers, but see the trendy games, they're good gateways into other kind of games that are more suited towards, like, actual gamers. Yeah, exactly. Although, for the record, they are perfectly fine games in their own right. Again, Among Us just isn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But... I mean, that's the way trendy games always go. I mean, I'm sure Splitgate will have its time in the sun for a bit, but again, once, like, Halo or whatever comes out, I mean, it's it's gonna get completely demolished. Unfortunately, yes. At least in the global phenomenon sense. It will still yeah. probably have a fan base. don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because, yeah. like, For Fortnite and Pokemon Go are both still popular, but they're not, like, a global trend. 
unlike which they used to be. Yeah. Well, let's. And that brings us into Luke. We're going to need you to unmute here because. <laughs> yep. <laughs> This, this, this next topic is very much related to Luke. Yes. <laughs> so for Brian context, starts off. <laughs> for context, lately, um, Doug of the Stars for a long time has had a pretty big console collection, and he's been trying to complete it with various consoles. And you he might scored, see a collection tour from him soon. I think he's ending that. Yeah. Ev Evan and Luke and me have consoles but we don't have anywhere close to the scale that he has had however yeah we use that's, emulation that's been changing a bit lately as i got a playstation 3 and logic bits bought two playstation 3s and a playstation 4 yes recently i have been getting more into the console space of things um just due to mainly at this point the affordability Got pretty good deals on both of them, so it's it's not that necessarily I like console games more than PC, but I think it's important to to experience at least console games as well. Not to mention that Luke, Luke is very much a PC elitist, so the <laughs> fact that he's venturing into the console realm is very unusual, but at the same time, I think it's good for him. The thing with consoles is, is their their strength. There's just sometimes where a console is more convenient than a PC, especially in the context of if you have people over and are doing like a party game type thing. Well, or the fact that consoles support physical games cannot be overstated because you just don't get that with PC at all. And, PC and like is Deca, like 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 Deck of the Stars says, the whole aspect of a physical collection is kind of nice if you like that sort of thing. Yes, I know yeah. the counter argument which we will get more into in a future episode. Stay tuned for physical versus digital media. Oh yeah, because believe you me, we can rant on that for a while. But yeah. our main thing is, in general, we're trying to explore the console space a little bit. I'm loving some of the PlayStation 3 stuff I've played thus far. Evan is, definitely wants me to play Uncharted, which will happen eventually. And I recently bought a, a 3DS um because they're uh, i i'm fine with emulating ds games it can run fine on my pc however the fact that it's dual screen it's really unideal you, you only get the proper experience on the actual hardware and i'm also looking forward to trying like ctgp7 which if you didn't know basically adds a bunch of like custom tracks to mario kart 7 now um again as always with emulation Ensure that you get your games from actual physical media backed up. That's right. how you do it. Yep, you gotta stay legal. We can, we do not condone piracy, nor will we. After all, getting them from other means is technically piracy. But if as you long as it, you if you have if you rip it from something you already have, it is technically legal. Emulation can be more convenient. Especially for the games you already own. I look yeah. at a game preservation standpoint. If you don't want to, like, you know, necessarily, like, open up and put your games at risk of being damaged while you play them, if you're a game collector, emulation can be useful in that aspect. Well, yeah. Andy and figured, like, recently a copy of Super Mario 64 in box sold for, like, what was it, like, $1.5 million or something, like, crazy like that? Yeah, very surprising. Considering, yeah. you know, 
was 20 like, years you ago. You could have literally bought a copy in, what was it, like 97, locked it in a safe, and <laughs> opened it now, and you'd be a millionaire. Like, Yeah, in general, game com- unnamed game companies need to provide a way to actually get, play their old games from them, as that would be extremely useful, and a lot of people would spend money on that. It's almost Who like, could that be? It's almost like back in the PS3 era, there was a console that had such a thing. It's almost like there was one. Hmm, maybe a few. Hmm. It's almost like making good business decisions would be beneficial for said company. No, <laughs> we don't do that here. We, we just maybe support we'll OLED. Maybe we yeah. Switch OLED goes burr. <laughs> but Hell again, yeah. if you want to see our opinion on the Switch, check out episode zero. And we before have... we transition out of this specific topic, I feel like there's one Logic Bits, aka Luke, purchase that we need to acknowledge that couldn't be more <laughs> iconic. The infamous $350 headphones. And... Now, I'm going to let Luke attempt to explain how on earth this is even remotely justifiable. So originally when I picked up these headphones, um, I got a lot of negative feedback from pretty much everyone I know. (laughs) I wonder why. Kind of money. And I I can't imagine Coming from, you know, $20 headphones, that kind of thing, it does seem kind of a little bit over the top. um, Initially. So, before I... Let me just preface this by saying, I'm talking about the um, Sony WH-1000XM4 headphones, and I picked these up for around $350, um, which is a quite a steep price, especially just for a pair of headphones, but... I for reference, like, AirPods are, like, $150. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, um, it's a different class of products, really. Um, these headphones, if you don't know, you can look them up online. Um, one of their main flagship features is noise cancellation. They're very good at it. Um, Which I using... can say from experience, they are. Oh yeah, the three of us it. have used said pair of headphones. So, yeah, it's something. In general, it's along the lines of the argument of investing more now for a longer lifetime product and a more premium product. Because yes. while I am very much a believer in cheap accessories, as exemplified by a lot of my setup, there is something to be said of a more premium product will last you longer in the long term. Think buying a cheapo third-party controller that will last you two years versus an official controller that might be like 10, 20 more, but will last you a much longer time. Unless it's the Switch. Yeah, and that dives back into the whole Joy-Con drift issue we were talking about in the last episode. Yeah. (laughs) But essentially, while yes, they were a steep price, and yes, I still think they were questionable, I can see his argument for purchasing them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, I I got AirPods back in, um, for Christmas 2019, and I still... To this day, I use them daily for at least, like, two hours a day, minimum. But oftentimes, way more than that. So, I can confirm that, you know, high-quality audio equipment is worth it. 
And it's something that you definitely can use frequently, unlike, you know, other expensive stuff that you could buy that might yeah, not exactly. see daily use. In general, if you're going to spend a lot on a purchase, the fact that it's expensive doesn't inherently make it a bad purchase. It's more along the lines of, do you get your money's worth out of it? Yeah, exactly. Very true. Okay, so our next thing here, um, going back into the game topic, um, we all should have prepared our... Are we going to do top five or top ten? Top five. Okay. Our top five um, game list, just because, for context, we we talk about this like all the time in private. Um, so we figured for once and for all, we might as well like document it. So yeah, we, we very much like discussing the various games and what's good about them and console versus console, etc. Yeah, and so right now there aren't any like like rules for this list necessarily. It's really it's literally just down to preference. So you can do like your entire list could be like Halo games, for example. Like, if you want to. From any console, for any games. Alright, Evan, start us off. Okay, so I'm gonna go from 5 to 1. So, let's see here. 2, 3, 4, yes. And and for for context, hang on, Evan. For format, we're gonna do, he'll say a game, and then we'll share our thoughts on that being where it's at. Yeah, so I know this first one, I'm gonna get a lot of I'm a negative reception from Brian, but it's Minecraft. You did not just put Minecraft at number five. Okay, well, let me explain. Let me explain. So, I know I'm not the only one when I say this, but we all played that game, like, exclusively for years. So, a lot of this is nostalgia, because I rarely play this game, like, at all these days, but... The amount of use I've gotten out of that game in the past can't be overstated because that was literally the only game I played from like what, like third to sixth grade at least. Because I didn't get into PlayStation till like seventh grade. But you barely play it now, and now that you've experienced more games, you still have the audacity to put it fifth. Well, okay, well, maybe fourth will be. Slightly more better. Fourth is Uncharted 2. That is respectable. Yeah. Um, it's a great, I actually just replayed it the other day. Um, it was tough between that and the first one because all the games are good. I haven't played the fourth one or Lost Legacy for cons. I know the fourth one is like, like a bunch of people argue about whether the fourth or the second one's the best, but because I haven't played the fourth one yet, I went with Uncharted 2 and as of now, that's my favorite of that series. Uncharted is an absolutely phenomenal game series, for the record. It's easily the best PlayStation exclusive, in my opinion. Which yeah, I know Evan may not agree true. with, but in general... Well, I would say Spider-Man, but Spider-Man isn't technically a series yet, as there's only two games, so... I don't know. Alright, let's, let's hear your three. Uh, GTA Five. That is also respectable. Since getting GTA, we have put a ton of time into it. The sandbox, more so the online, 
But yeah. I will admit the campaign is pretty good. I played it a while ago on PlayStation, but the, especially the on PC, there's so much modding potential with this game. Online is just fun to mess around with. The sandbox yeah. aspect really just can't be overstated because the whole thing about GTA is you, you have like a wide open city and you can just do whatever. Yeah. Now I will I, say, I wish Rockstar had like a creative thing. Yes, we're, we need this. Like Please we're, this we're actually GTA working things. on, yeah, we're working on our own GTA server right now so we can just so that we can do this. But the fact that it's not like a thing natively in the game is just kind of crazy. Yeah, it should exactly. be such a convoluted process just to get to, you know, creating your own weapons or adding a bunch of money to mess around with. We're yeah. not asking for adding this stuff into the normal multiplayer, but having like a private server where you can just mess around and explore all the aspects of the game. Think how Halo Master Chief Collection does it, basically. Where you or can like, do like private lobbies with mods, but not in actual competitive. Or like Fortnite there. creative mode or something like that. Very true. And my second game, which I'm also sure I'm going to get a lot of flack for, is Spider-Man PS4. And That's a hot take. Spider-Man PS4 this, is 2? That is funny. The reason for this is because it's easily my favorite single-player game of all time. And the only reason it's not number one is because my number one game is a couch co-op game in multiplayer, which has more replayability than yes. a single game. That's why what Evan's number one is going to be is going to be mine as well. <laughs> yeah, and transitioning into that, my number one is Mario Kart Wii, because... The best game of all time, period. And the base Blood game alone Earth. is great, because there's just so much replayability in it, but if you factor in modding, it's particularly with CTGP, where you can literally download like 300 custom tracks, re-enable online play... There's just oh yeah so much stuff you can do with that game. It's Huge shout out to CGP. Not, not to yeah. mention the like in terms of gameplay mechanics itself, and Mario Kart Wii has some that stand apart from the rest of the series with the addition of inside drifting and wheelies, which did not appear on any future Mario Kart. And the fact it's that there's so many control options, like for me personally, I preferred GameCube as my preferred controller, but you have motion steering with the Wii remote, you can use the Wii remote with a nunchuck, you can use the Wii Classic controller. There's just so many options, so you can fit any playstyle, which is really yeah, ideal. That cannot be overstated. It's so accessible, and also the fact that the graphics still hold up to this day. Yeah, exactly. Very true. And even though Wii is a 480p console, it's just the, it still runs the way the games are designed. Exactly. Yeah. So that was my top five. So I don't know which one of you guys wants to go next. You want me to or you want to, Luke? You can go ahead. All right. So we're starting off at number five. This is a pretty well-known Steam sandbox game that originally started as an indie game like Minecraft, but grew into so much more than that, despite only receiving four major updates in its lifetime. Of course we're talking about Terraria. Yeah. That I is... Eh, I don't know. You haven't actually Terraria. played it, so you can't adequately judge it. See, that's my issue with it. I I have it 
I bought it while it was on sale, but I have yet to play enough of it to adequately judge it. So I'm just going to not really say much, but the little bit that I have, I can tell that there's a lot of potential. And I think it's, what is it called? Like T-Mod Loader that gives it like, yeah, that gives it like way more modding potential. The modding potential is, is equivalent to Minecraft, if not more. The only real thing holding it back is if you really just prefer 3D over 2D. But I will say that the game is more centered around an adventure and exploration, more so than building, whereas Minecraft is basically just building. Yeah, Terraria is a lot of, like, it's focused on, like, boss fighting and stuff, whereas Minecraft is more sandboxy. They're, they're different games for different people, but I will say if, you've been, if you enjoy one, you will enjoy the other. Yeah. Now, prepare for a lot of Halo. Number four. Halo 2 Anniversary. Oof. Oof. Okay. Well, Anniversary is at least better than the original game, so I'll give you that. Halo but... 2 Anniversary's graphics for a Halo game from the Xbox 360 era look phenomenal. The addition of dual-wielding implements so much more in both the campaign and multiplayer. And again, the campaign itself is one of the best in the series. I do agree with those points, but... Um, not to be the devil's advocate here, do you think that possibly another game would edge out Halo 2 Anniversary if you had like had more time in between playing it and this podcast? Because it definitely seems like you've been into the Halo series pretty recently. Yeah. Um, and I, I do wonder how that could have top five. Personally, it's an okay, but top five of all but, time. But uh, for context, another game series, which I played a while back, which is Destiny 2, which is another game series I highly recommend for the record. But Destiny 2 is very much like Halo, but with additional stuff, essentially. But it's due to its all-online focus, it's kind of a different type of game than Halo is, I would argue. And it would probably be in the top 10, but it doesn't crack the top 5. That's fair. In general... In general, I think Halo is the best shooting mechanics game that I have played, period. Now, granted, I have not played a lot of CODs, so I can't exactly fully say that. But for right now, Halo 2 Anniversary takes number four. Okay. Three is, lo and behold, it's Halo again. Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. That I can actually, that is definitely my favorite Halo game thus far. And I mean, granted, I've only played the first four, but that is definitely my favorite. The, the lack line, of sprinting is yes, iffy. The, me- the mechanics could definitely do, could be better, that's for sure. But the storyline is absolutely phenomenal, which Evan would agree, especially. Yeah, that me and Brian played that one, played through it together, because there's multiplayer on the Master Chief version. Yeah, and if you are looking to play the Halo games, definitely recommend Halo the Master Chief Collection. That is by far the best place to play Halo 1 through 4 in today's day and age. Yeah, and if you wait, I I mean, we were able to get it for like 20 bucks on sale with the Steam sale, so I bet if you wait for like the Halloween sale or something, you can probably get it for cheap. Now, number two, and this is the last Halo on the list, would be Halo 3. For context, Halo 3 number 2. For context, the campaign of Halo 3 is my favorite in the series, no doubt. 
the shooting mechanics are more fine-tuned like Reach, but it actually has a good story like 2 Anniversary. The graphics are pretty good for an Xbox 360 game. The vehicles actually control decently, and there's a pretty good variety of them, including giant tanks. But the elephant in the room, the multiplayer, is so, so toxic. For context, Halo 3 was the most popular of the Halo games, so there are a lot more sweats in Halo 3 multiplayer, which I will agree does degrade the multiplayer a little bit. But again, there are sweats in Fortnite, etc. too, and I don't count that against Fortnite, so I'm not counting it against Halo either. Yeah. Now, time for the best game of all time, Mario Kart Wii, yet again. Yeah, I mean, like we said before. <laughs> oh, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say, I, I feel like Evan wouldn't have an issue with this, considering it's your number one as well. There yeah. isn't, there's not much more to be said than it is infinitely replayable with the best mechanics in the series, a great variety of characters, plus a wide array of control options. Literally, The fact that it's the only game with it. Bunky Kong sets it. <laughs> anyone can I don't enjoy know about it. That. And Funky Kong is a good character, yes. But the fact of the matter is, is you can play it infinite times, the modding potential is unmatched, and the community is still kept it alive 14, 15 years later. Oh yeah, the Mario Kart Wii community is amazing. Like, the dedication that the fans have put into this, like, CTGP alone is, like, sane. If you haven't tried it yet, you'll definitely enjoy it. No doubt. Yeah. If you, it can run on either Wii or Wii U, so you have a decent rate. Most people, frankly, the Wii is one of the most common consoles to find, even among people that don't really play video games. So chances are there's a Wii somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. All right, now top five games from Logic Bits. Okay. Well, ah, uh, this is a tough one. Um. For reference, my gaming history has mostly spanned throughout, like, the early to mid-2010s, and I've been gaming a lot less lately, so it's not fresh in my memory, but I'm gonna have to say, for number five, oh, this is a tough one. This might be controversial, but I'm going to say Sonic Colors. It's kind of out of left field, but okay, that it is, is a that, solid game. That I have never random. played that, so you're gonna have to explain. It's a it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a Sonic game from the Wii era where I don't exactly know the main storyline, but the graphics look very good and it has a very good soundtrack. So I will respect that decision. Yes, it's a surprisingly good Wii game. Also available on DS, and that was a really good one too. So overall, on both platforms, just it was a solid Sonic game. Okay, fair. And then I guess if we're moving on to number four, ah, uh, this is a tough one. Probably, I mean, I'm gonna have to put GTA number four. It, GTA five, I'm assuming. Yes, sorry, GTA five. I should clarify. Um, I've also played four and three, and they just didn't have the same kind of um, the same kind of like. I don't know how to put it into words. GTA Five felt the most, obviously the most modern, most alive. but it kind of immersed you the most into the like the whole setting. 
of you know being a character just doing whatever in this world. Yeah, well, the fact that GTA Five has online and no other game has that that solidifies it as the best Grand Theft Auto game, no in my Grand opinion. Absolutely, game. very true. Yeah. However, in general, but like like we already said, the sandbox nature of GTA alone gives it a case for being in the top five games. So I, and it's in my top ten definitely. Also, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this is um right here. It's kind of cheating, but I'm going to clump the entire Halo Master Chief collection into number three. Um, I know it's not technically its own game, but I think it would count. Okay, fair enough. I what my favorite game series? No question. For context, Luke has played all of Reach, which we played it. together. Yes. And I've, then I've other really than that, just the series. However, it, it like he said, it they're four of you know six of the best games, period. Not obviously, and of course, not everybody will share that opinion, but we all very much like the Halo games. Right. Yeah, I do agree with that, and I know it's kind of cheap to lump it all into one. So if I had to choose an actual number three, I would say Reach, but that's. Only because I really haven't played many games from Master Chief Collection yet. Which so, we will fix in time. <laughs> yes, coming soon. But yeah, Reach is easily the one we have the most playtime in, online-wise. That and CE is probably a solid second, I guess. Very yeah, enjoyable. Re- Reach, Reach's mechanics are some of the best in the series, so I can, res- I def- I can definitely see an argument for Reach at 3, although the storyline could be better. Yeah. But since you put Halo MCC in general, I agree. Sounds good. And then moving on to number two. This is going to be controversial, not because it's a bad game, but because it's at number two. And I'm going to say number two is Mario Kart Wii. No. I know, I know. That is the best (laughs) game of all time. No Execute him now. (laughs) Now I'm really curious what number one is. It's a very hot take. Uh, number Expl- one's definitely straight out of left field, but I will say Mario Kart I think Wii. I have is... a guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mario Kart Wii, like you know, Brian and Evan have said, it's just a completely all-around solid game. There's nothing that feels like broken or out of place. You can pick it up whenever. You know, you can spend like ten minutes playing or like three hours. It's super versatile. Anyone just can enjoy. So enjoyable. Exactly. Now, before you say number one, does it involve a courtroom? It indeed does. Oh yes. my gosh. <laughs> I have to say, out of all the games that I've played, I can't really say which game of the series is my absolute favorite, because honestly, they're all my favorite, and that would be the Ace Attorney game series, which is just absolutely phenomenal. If you're not aware... <laughs> You're going to have to explain this one. Yes, I probably will. So, Ace Attorney is essentially, um, it's sort of half visual novel, and then half um, courtroom. You you play as um, a defense attorney who has many clients that are accused in this like weird fantasy world where you're guilty until proven innocent. So you have to go around, um, find clues, talk to people. 
and then present your evidence in a way that contradicts testimony so that you can um, basically make your client not guilty. I will say and, it's certainly a unique take for yeah. one. It's, yeah. It's very specific. I understand. I wouldn't necessarily call it a hot take, but unique take is a good way to put it. Yeah. I, I, think, mm-hmm. it's a, I think it's a case of a game series that's niche, so if you're into it, you're really yes. into it, and, which is evident here. And I will yeah. say, if you haven't heard of it, definitely try it out. You can pick it up. Any game. What platform is it? In. Um, it's on a lot of platforms. Mainly, the first few games were released on Nintendo DS. But right now, they're all available on mobile, PC, um, 3DS, and I don't Switch? think Switch yet. Is but it, 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 it might have just released. Let me, let me check this right now, actually. Because there's an Ace Attorney um, 3-game collection, uh, which was recently announced. And it might have dropped on Switch. Um, let me double check here. It does look like it actually did release on the Switch. So you can play the I... first three games. It's only $30. Really, it's a no-brainer. You should definitely pick it up. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think sometime we should talk about our favorite game collections. Our favorite what now? Game collections. Uncharted think... Nathan Drake collection. Yeah, I think Nathan Drake collection, Master Chief collection, etc. Mm-hmm. But okay, so I think I think that about does it for today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to drop a follow. We're on Spotify. Hopefully, Apple Music soon. And of um, course, like and sub on YouTube. We're really not yep. sure how what our schedule for this will be. We'll probably get more concrete later on. But for now, just make sure you know check in or whatever. And if you have any suggestions, make sure to send them to us. We'll have all the links in the show notes. Yeah. All right. Goodbye for now. Until next time. See ya.